Uh, I'm going to take a poll here, and I need you to participate, all right? I'm wondering how many would consider yourself to be a generous person. Now, hold on. I mean, like, you're not stingy. Like, you're not Scrooge. And, and this isn't a loaded question. We're not going to call the ushers down to take an offering after this. All right, everybody? So relax, everyone. Is it, it's just, I'm just curious. How many of you consider yourself at least fair, at least fair to moderately generous? Let me just see your hand. Let me just raise your hand. Okay, so, so if you're not raising your hand, then you're way on the other side. You're a Scrooge. Let me see your hand. Oh, we got a couple of them in here. Okay, well, we're after you today, all right? And... Uh, Anyway, um, I, I wanted to ask this question because I think I'm a pretty generous person. And, I, I, you know, I was just trying to play the comparison game a little bit. And, and I think I'm a pretty generous person. Now, some of you interpret that question as though that has to do with money. But how many know you can be generous and never even get on the subject of money? How many know what I'm talking about? Right, everyone? We have people serving today for the Feed the Multitudes. And they're working and they're setting up and they're serving and they're pouring and they're cooking and they're doing all the things. How many know that's generosity, right? Because you could be doing a whole lot of other things with your time. How many know I'm right about that, right? And so I think I'm a pretty generous person. Like, like I think for the most part, now I have my moods, and you can ask my wife about that, but I, have, I think I'm pretty generous. Like, I compliment people, and, and I do my best to encourage people. Somebody one time said, Pastor, you're the best cheerleader I've ever known. And I said, hmm, I thank you. I appreciate that. I think I thank you for that. But I, I compliment, I encourage, uh, uh, I try to remind you that where you're at is... Not where you have to stay, right? And, and, and when I'm in a restaurant, I always tip. And how many know Christians ought to tip? How many they ought to tip not just to track either? How many know what I'm talking about, right? And, and I always tip. But how many would agree with me that, does anybody feel this way? I'm going to go negative for just a minute. Does anybody feel like tipping is getting out of hand? Is it just me? Come on, wave at me if you feel. It's like everyone, everything wants a tip these days. We went to dinner the other night, and, and they brought the bill to us, and it was just Patty and I, and I was signing the bill, and I was looking at how much I was going to leave for a tip, only to look careful at the bill to see that they had already charged me an 18% tip, but then there was a blank for another tip. And I'm like, my generosity has its limits. How many know what I'm saying, right? And, I, and, and it's embarrassing. I don't know if anybody else is this way. Maybe it's my pride. Maybe it's ego. I, I'm still working through some things. But when I walk up to a counter and say, yeah, I'll have a black coffee with cream, and they turn that screen around, and they want you to tip. But they didn't do anything. How many know what I'm talking See, all the waiters and waitresses are mad at me right now. They're like, we're leaving this church. We're never coming back. I believe we ought to tip our waiters and waitresses. But, like, you didn't do nothing. You said, good morning. What will you have? I spoke, too. Are you going to give me a tip? You, I, I don't, and they turn the screen around, and it has 15, 18, or 20% tip for a cup of coffee. And, and, but you didn't do nothing. And it bugs me because my pride won't let me push the button that says no tip. Because I feel like everyone in the restaurant is looking at me. And I feel like everyone in the restaurant goes to radius. And I feel like everybody's going to come up to me. Everyone's going to come up to me. Now, if I wasn't a pastor, I might be more uh, not as generous. How many know what I'm saying, right? 
But I'm afraid that person's going to come up to me Sunday and say, hey, thanks for no tip. I, you know, I was the person that waited on you. And, and, and I don't know. I just feel like everything. It used to be tip your waiters and waitresses, and I was good with that. Everybody good with that, right? But, like, now it, it, it's like everything is a tip. I can't even pay at the store without, would you like to donate to the, and they give you a list of stuff. And don't you feel weird like people are looking at you when you say no? It's like a guilt trip, isn't it? Does anybody else feel like this? The Scrooges don't feel like this, but if you're generous, you, you, you kind of feel this way. And, and, um, and, and I, I was even thinking about, well, man, maybe if you can't beat them, join them. I was going to put a couple tip jars on the platform. <laughs> Obviously, that's not a good idea. You're laughing at me, but <laughs> I can see how it would work here. I'd preach a point you really like. You'd come up with your $5. I'd preach something you wouldn't. You'd start taking from it. I'd leave here broken in debt. How many know what I'm saying, right? Uh, and, and it's just hard because even Jesus only wants 10%. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you, and you have this mean waitress. She didn't do anything and say, what would you like today? And she wants 15 18 or 20%. And she he gave me a cup of coffee, but Jesus gave me his life. How many know what I'm saying, right? Uh, and uh, anyway, I just, now that I've got that off my chest and out of my system, um, in this series that we're continuing, I want to talk to you about being a history maker. And what I just vented about has a lot to do with whether we do or we don't become history makers. The working definition of history maker is real simple. This is the one we're using. This is one that by acts, by ideas, or existence, modifies the course of history. If you never do anything at Radius, if all you ever do is come sit in a black chair, I, well, what I would beg of you to at least do is pray that this would be the definition of Radius Church. That this would be the reflection of Jesus in Skagit Valley and in Mount Ver Vernon. And that, that radius is one that by our acts, by our backpacks, and by our giveaway shoes, and by our blessing bags, and by our feed the multitudes, and by our acts, or just our simple existence, it modifies, come on, the chorus of history. It modifies, it changes laws, it changes atmospheres, it changes families, it changes cultures, it changes cities, it changes politicians. Come on, everybody, right? Now, here's the catch for today's message. We will never modify, as that definition talks about, we will never modify the course of history. We will never modify our own family. And we will never modify our community without generosity. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. And I hate to say it because some of you all of a sudden will get real tight and go, oh, he's going to talk about money again. Well, money might be in this, but if you think this message is about money, you're going to miss the whole idea of what it means to be a generous person. Jesus identifies four attitudes of people when it came to the subject of generosity. I want to share them with you today, but that's kind of a that, that, that's kind of the plan B of today. And then we'll move into what I'll call the plan A of today. When Jesus talks about four different kind of generous or, or the attitudes of generosity, he, he talks about four different ones. And I'm sure if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard of at least one of the four. In fact, two of them are takers and two of them are givers. 
And, and many times Jesus talks about wolves and goats. They're both takers. And, and then he'll talk about sheep and lambs, and they're both givers. Mm -hmm. Let, let's talk about it. Number one, number one, he talks about wolves, and, 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 and there he is. There's the wolf. And when he talks about wolves, a wolf's mindset, if you would, a wolf's mindset is what yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. How many know there's some wolves in the world? Yeah. I hate to say this, but I need to warn you, but there's also, how many know there's some wolves in the church? There's some wolves in uh, Christian circles. Uh, there's some wolves that will leverage your faith and your generosity for their own gain. How many know that? There are, there are some that we want to bless that will take advantage of the system. Come on, how many know that? But how many think that we ought to throw the whole system out because of a few bad wolves? Uh, I didn't think so, right? Uh, and, 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 and what's yours is mine. And Jesus warns us of people, watch this. I want you to see the attitude. People that pretend to do good, people that pretend to be good, but they have an ulterior motive. See, at least when you come to Radius, when I talk about being generous, you know right up front what the motive behind it is. There's no ulterior motive to us being generous other than to be a blessing in the world and in the culture and in the community that God planted us in. In fact, Jesus teaches about it in Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 15. He says it this way. He says, watch out for false prophets. Now, if I could just for today change that, just, just to get in your head a little bit, watch out for greedy Christians. Watch out for those that call themselves Christians. Come on. But they're really after your money. They're really after your business. They're really after something else. See, Jesus is warning us that wolves don't come dressed like wolves. Come on, everybody. Wolves will come with a sing hallelujah, praise the name of Jesus. Come on. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And what's yours is mine, and they're after that. And, and they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. We need discernment over them. They're concerned with only themselves. And, and this is the difference. Watch this. I just I want to hit on this real quick. It's the only time I think I think it's the only time, unless I slip up, that I'm going to say anything about the, the legacy offering today. But the, it's the difference of a church asking for a legacy offering. The difference is the subject of greed or generosity. See, we're not pretending to be one thing. See, anywhere you ever invest your money, this is for all the people that don't call Radius their church. Anywhere that you ever bring your money, any nonprofit, any ministry, any church, you ought to be able to take a soil sample, come on, of where you're planting your money. And there ought to be fruit because the Bible says if we're going to be good stewards, we have to plant in good soil. Can I get an amen on that, right? That's why you ought to be locked into a local church that you're giving to. That's why if you're a guest, don't give here. But if this is your church, give right here to this storehouse and see the fruit that it is providing. Come on, are you hearing that today? Otherwise, you're subject to giving to a wolf that has ulterior motives. I want to touch it. Come on. I want to smell it. I want to sit in the chair I bought. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Are you guys hearing that today? That's, that's just real practical stuff. See, we are not trying to take. We're trying to give. But it's we are trying. And here's some of the things we miss in the church a lot of times. What we miss is money is a great tool for evangelism because we, we can evangelize by being generous. 
Because while there's a world full of wolves, come on, how many know we look different when we come out as lambs? Come on, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right, everybody? Yeah. And then there's the goats. And, and, and the goats, they, 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 say, uh, they say, what's mine is mine, and, and, and I'm just going to keep it. I'm, I'm a little in shock. I, I sent Jake a different picture of a goat. And, and, and my goat was, uh, he, he's probably being smart. He took my goat away because my goat was a goat that was sticking its tongue out at you. All right, everyone? Thank you, Jake, for helping your father be more polished. All right, I, I appreciate it. But, but the goat, the goat is like, hey, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. They're not after what's yours, but they're going to keep what's theirs. They live by the slogan, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Goats are the people that they pride themselves on working hard for what they got. Uh, I work hard for it. I work, uh, I'm a self-made man and all that kind of stuff. They're proud that they aren't wolves. They're proud that they're not hurting anybody. They're proud that they're not stealing from anybody. They're proud that they work hard. They're proud that they didn't even steal a paper clip from the job site, right? They're not greedy, but they're definitely not generous. Mm. And Jesus taught, he metaphorically taught something that I'm going to read to you, and, and it's, a, I, I, it's borderline because then it owes a message to it, which I cannot do for the sake of time. But Jesus metaphorically taught that there would come a time when all mankind would be separated into two groups. Come on. Any Bible scholars in here? They'd be separated into groups. There would be the goats and there would be the lambs. He, he said there would be two groups. There would be the goats who are greedy and the lambs who are generous. Matthew chapter 25, here's how it says. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, so at the end of time, he says, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And all the nations will be gathered before him. And watch this. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And, and he will put the sheep on his right and he'll put the goats on his left. He's, he's given a metaphor here. And he's talking about the generous and the greedy is what he's talking about. He's talking about those that were generous for the kingdom's sake and those that were greedy for their own sake. This is a, per come on, this is an alarming scripture right here. Especially because if you read it, it's in red letters. Yeah, anybody know what that means? That means Jesus is saying it. And, and it goes on and it says a few more things. And it says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed. That right there, it's saying the generous will be blessed. It says, you are blessed my, by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Come on. I don't even need to preach that. For I was hungry and you prepare to feed the multitudes. I was hungry, and you prepared a blessing bag. I was hungry, and you looked for me, and you watched for me. I, 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 I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. Come on, I want that to be the declaration over this work of God in this community. Amen. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Come on. I think it ought to say for rate is, and you were strange, but you still let us in. Huh? 
I needed clothes and you clothed me. I needed shoes and you gave me a pair of shoes and a pair of socks. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. I'm going to skip ahead uh, and, and you can read the rest of it. But truly, I tell you, Jesus is speaking. Whatever you did for one of these, of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. You know what? We're not feeding people over here. We are. But guess what? Jesus is right in the midst saying, hey, you put on a banquet for me. Hey, you put shoes on my feet. Hey, you put socks on my feet. Hey, you gave me a blessing bag. Hey, you gave me a sleeping bag. Come on, somebody, right? Hey, you encouraged me when I was down. Hey, you complimented me when all hell was against me all week long. Hey, you're that place I can go. And God wants to be in that kind of environment. Let's be that. Amen, everybody. Right. And, and then there's the sheep. Now let's get over into the givers. Then there's the sheep. So the sheep are great. They are givers and they're good stewards. And a lot of Christians, this is where you land. But I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, don't, don't, don't pat yourself on the back too much because there's another step, all right? These are the sheep. Let's see what picture he has. Oh, isn't that sweet? All right. I, I feel so snuggly. All right, so... The, the, the sheep, they're just good Christians. They, they give kind words. They give their talent. They give their time. Uh, they put on banquets. You know, they, 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 they give compliments. They give encouragement. They're running around saying where you're at is not where you have to stay. They steward what God has provided for them very good. But sometimes sheep can be a little more legalistic. It's not as organic. Uh, they're, they're not running around looking for opportunities, but they're going to fulfill their obligation. And then there are lambs. And uh, there's, see, I told you there'd be people mad that I'm talking about money. <laughs> and then there are lambs. Watch this. The lambs. The... Oh, I thought you were saying that for me. I... <laughs> you know, I should look at the pictures before I get up here. How many know what I'm saying, right? And then there's the lambs. And, and watch this. They're not only good stewards, but they live beyond stewardship. They live beyond the letter of the law. They live beyond just the obligation. Come on. They live in a world that is generous. Generosity is more organic than we would like to admit. Generosity just might come at you when you're not expecting it. You, you might need to be generous and it's not even Sunday. You, God might require you to be generous on a Monday when you're in a cantankerous mood. Anybody... That's a Hebrew word. Everybody know that word? It's just more organic. It's less legalistic. It's less tick for tack. It's actually looking for opportunities. They're not even, what I know about lambs is they're not even considering how much they have or how much they don't have. When there's a need presented, when somebody needs a compliment, they're not saying, oh, I'm having a bad day too. When somebody needs a meal, they're not saying, well, I need a meal too. When somebody needs a helping hand, they're not saying, oh, I need a helping hand too. Because they find their joy in being generous. Come on now, right? Thank you very much. God bless you. I'm going to keep on preaching. Luke chapter number 10 says it this way in verse number uh, 2 and 3. He said, he told them the harvest is plentiful. In other words, there's all kind of people in need. Come on, there's wolves everywhere. There's goats everywhere. There's all kind of people in need. Come on, everybody. But he's not calling the wolves to help them. He's not calling the goats to help them. 
Watch this. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go! Exclamation point. I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. Now, I know if you grew up in church, you've interpreted this verse one way, but I want to give you just a little different perspective today. And the perspective of this verse is this. The way you will make a difference is to be a lamb. The way you're going to make a difference is to be generous. The way you're going to make a difference is to be a lamb in a wolf's world. Come on. When the politicians want to take, come on. The church has to give. Come on, now that's not a blanket statement. Everybody got tight right there, right? Okay. And, and let me say it another way. To be givers in a taker's world, to be generous in a self-centered world, that's how we're going to reap a harvest. I'm going to say that again. To be givers in a taker's world, to be generous in a self-centered world, that's how we're going to stand out in these last days. Come on now. And after all, it was of the Lamb of God that laid down his life for the sins of the world. The Lamb of God who changed the world because he came to give and not to receive. Come on, everybody. If you're still stuck on the money issue right now, you're missing what God is wanting to say to us. Come on now. Generosity will cause you to do three things. This is the part I really wanted to get to. All right. If you've been mad at me so far, buckle up. You're going to get more mad. Here we go. When you're generous, it changes some perspectives in your life. And so here's a good litmus test how to measure that generosity in our lives. Uh, 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 generosity will cause us to, number one, to think generously. It'll cause us just to start thinking that way. And I'm going to give you scripture on this, but let me first tell you a story. When I was first starting out in ministry, I didn't know what to do. When I was first starting out, I was so lost. They had voted me in 100%. This little church it was in bankruptcy. It had so many problems. It had about 80 people in it. They were the 80 of the meanest Christians I've ever met in my life. And I'm 27, and I was scared of every one of them. I remember I got a meeting with my pastor, Tommy Barnett, and he told me this. I told him all the problems. I said, man, I don't, I don't know. And, and he looked across the table at me, and he told me this. He told me that if I would be generous, I would change my world. He said, Ken, if you'll just open your circle up and let people that want to be in the circle in the circle, regardless of how they believe, regardless of how they vote, regardless of all those other things that we want to put on. He said, Ken, if you'll just be generous, then I would change my world. And he was absolutely right. You see, at that time, I didn't have a college degree. I wasn't the best preacher. I wasn't the smartest preacher. But I could decide on that day that I'd be the most generous person I know. Come on, everybody. And that little church began to grow, and I began to be just generous. And, and we began to be the no, known as the church that was generous. I remember our last Christmas there. We opened the curtains on the stage, and there was 600 bicycles across the stage and 1,000 presents. And, and then we opened the second curtain, and there was a half pipe, and there was guys turning flips on bicycles. <laughs> and we bust in enough people from underprivileged neighborhoods to give every single one of those things away. On 4th of July, we put on a carnival 
for the whole community with Ferris wheels and hot air balloon rides and the whole nine. Someone took an old room we had. It was an old warehouse on the campus and said, we're going to turn this into the red carpet store so that the, the folks that are underprivileged can come and the folks that we're training to get jobs can come in and get a whole new set of clothes and a whole new wardrobe for their job interviews. Uh, somebody else came along and said, well, we're going to outfit it. One of the, we, we had one of the guys from the Detroit Pistons wrote a check and just filled that whole thing. I mean, it was better than any department store in town. And, and, and when I looked across that crowd, there were millionaires sitting right next to people that rode the bus. And here's why, everybody. Because generosity doesn't attract one kind of person. Generosity doesn't attract just the wealthy or just the poor or just the black or just the white. Generosity breaks language barriers. Generosity breaks diversity. Come on, everybody. I wish somebody would help me today. Now, I said that not to brag on my old church because I, I see that happening here. Come on, right here, I see generosity. I gave you some stats last week of how many sleeping bags and how many lunches and how many hundreds of thousands of dollars that you have invested because of your generosity. Come on, and you can be generous just by setting an atmosphere, by encouraging somebody, by inviting somebody to coffee after church, by inviting somebody to sit with you, by high-fiving out the door. I mean, no, you don't need a lanyard, come on, to be generous. And I said that when you are generous, you think generous. Isaiah chapter number 32, here's a verse that has become one of my life verses. Isaiah 32, verse number 8. In fact, this is the verse that Pastor Tommy gave me on that day. He said, but a generous man devises generous things. And by generosity, he shall stand. Can I tell you something about yourself that you might already know and you might not know? You know what makes Radius great? I know some of you think it's you. I've got news for you. <laughs> I like to think it's about me on some days, but i got news for myself. Uh, I know you like to think it's our great, amazing band we have up there. I, I know it's the stained glass windows and the, and the history of our church. No, no, no. I think what makes Radius great is that God has raised up Radius to be a generous church, looking for opportunities to be a generous people and by generosity. Come on. How do we stand? By generosity we stand. How did we survive a pandemic? By generosity we stood. How did we survive when 95% of church plants closed within their first five years? How did we do it? By generosity. We started giving and being generous on day one, everybody. A generous man devises generous things. I like this translation. The word devise, watch this, it means to plot, to plan to creatively think. In other words, you've got to plot to be generous. You've got to go out of your way. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. Come on, I'm preaching this, and some of you are going to amen me and go out of this building today without a generous bone in your body. Before you leave here today, compliment somebody. If I'm not a talker, then stick your hand up and hope somebody will high-five you. Come on. I mean, come on. I'm, I'm preaching the gospel to you to plot, to plan. I got to plot. Okay, I got to get out of here. I got to encourage somebody. But Ken, I need encouragement. I know. But when you refresh someone, you yourself get refreshed. Come on. What would your life look like if you began to plot 
and you begin to plan? Yeah. What would life look like tomorrow morning on Monday when you roll out of the bed for a week? Some of you already know it's going to be a week from hell. What would it look like if you rolled out of bed and as you put your slippers on, you said, today, God, show me the plan how to be generous, how to think creatively. If I was really trying to fire you up, I'd say stop letting life happen to you and start getting out of bed and happening to life. When you start getting generous, you'll get out of bed and the devil will say, oh, no, he's up, she's up. All right. In other words, make today count. Make your future bigger and better than your past, everybody, right? Uh, and, and I'm talking about in everyday ways. And if you're still stuck on money, I'm not even, I'm so far away from talking about that. Because if you learn how to be generous, then you're generous in every area of your life. I had a friend that made a marriage proposal. And you talk about plotting and planning. They, they were from Detroit. He flew his girlfriend to the Golden Gate Bridge, everybody. Because she always wanted to see the Golden Gate Bridge. She didn't know where she was going. He said, just pack a bag. Flew her to San Francisco, got out and went to the Golden Gate Bridge, and he had it all arranged, and he knelt down, and he proposed to her at the Golden Gate Bridge. How many know that's plotting and planning and a little sappy? How many know what I'm saying, right? And then they flew home all in one day. Uh, my friend, Pastor Matthew, he was going to propose to his now wife, and, and, and she was in uh, New York speaking, and he, or he arranged it where one of her friends was going to give her a tour onto the top of the Empire State Building. When she got there and the elevator opened, he had it all set up, and he was there kneeling with a ring in his hand. Come on. That's plotting and planning. Look, all the girls like me now. All the guys are mad at me. <laughs> Okay, all my hunting buddies. I had another buddy who was hunting, and he wanted to show his, his girlfriend his deer stand, and he made her climb all the way up in the deer stand. I think that was a, that was a test to see if she was really the girl or not, Mark. <laughs> he got her all the way up in the deer stand. She looked down, and with sticks, he had spelled out, Will you marry me? Now, that's romantic right there. Come on now. I wish I would have done something really creative like that, but I got that box out and that ring, and I opened it. I went to Neil, and I was going to say something cool, and all she said was, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you know, I do have feelings, everybody. <laughs> I just want you to know. One year, we were, uh, me and a, a, another couple, Patty and I and another couple, we were going to go up to Traverse City in Michigan, which is about a four-hour drive. And uh, we decided, well, let's just take a flight because of time. And, and we looked at the cost and said, you know, thought, okay, yeah, we could do that. And then I had this crazy idea. Maybe I was plotting. Maybe I was planning. Maybe I was devising generous things. But I thought, what would it look like if we chartered a plane? I said, it sounds expensive, but let's look into it. We looked at chartering a plane, believe it or not. It was only like a hundred, uh, it was $200 more all together for each one than it would have been just to fly up there a commercial. I thought, $200? Uh, she's worth $200. <laughs> so we chartered our own plane. It was just that couple and us. The pilot took us all over the state. We flew over the stadium. We flew over her home. I mean, we just flew all over. It was wonderful. When we went to land in Traverse City, there was two limos in the, in the uh, runway area where we were going to land. And 
The pilot informed us that one of the uh, limos was Bruce Willis because his kids went to school up there. We landed the plane and, and we pulled up right up by the limos and I hurried up and got off and, and I yelled across to uh, Bruce and his kids were getting in their limo and I said, hey Bruce Willis and he looked my way and I said, he, was, he had just come out with some, one of the Die Hard movies and, and I said, man that was a good movie. And of course they're shoot 'em up movies, how I many you know what I'm saying, right? And, and, and he said, thanks. And then he said, and that was a good sermon you preached on Sunday. How many know that part's not true? How many know? <laughs> but boy, I had you on the edge of your seat, man. I wish you would lean in that much when I'm talking about Jesus. Come on now. All right. Anyway, but we did fly and we did land by Bruce Willis. And then we did have the little limousine waiting for us. And, and, and it was just generosity. At the end of the day, it cost me about $250 more than it would have. Now, I know that we can't all splurge like that all the time, and I can't either, but that was one time I could. But how many know we can splurge by setting a generous atmosphere? Come on. How many know we can be joyful in this room? When it's time to sing, we can lift our voices. When it's time to clap, let's not give a PGA clap. Come on. That's not generous. We're WWE kind of people around here. Come on. Let me hear you give the Lord a good hand. One of my favorite Christmas movies, or my favorite Christmas movie, is It's a Wonderful Life. Have you seen it? If you haven't seen it, you just need to answer the altar call today. I'm just telling you. George Bailey lived with another person in mind, often sacrificing. He drove an old beat-up car, and all his friends were driving nice cars. He lived in an old beat-up house. All his friends were accelerating in business. And one of the clips they show him with a hole in is the sole of his shoe. But he was always living with the other person in mind. I've watched this movie 800 times, I'm sure, by now. And when it gets to the very end and they're all standing there and his brother shows up with snow all over him, he says, I give a toast. And he says, I raise a toast to George Bailey. And at the end, he says, George Bailey, the richest man in town. Come on, everybody. Spoiler alert. And if you haven't seen it by now, you deserve to be spoiled, all right? Number two, I got to finish these last two things. Number two, not only will we think generously, we will begin to see generously. Yeah. Proverbs 22, 9 says it this way. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. Hey, please don't let that verse just pass by. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. Wow. There's not a person in here that wouldn't say, oh, I don't really want to be blessed. But the Bible says if we have a generous eye, we'll be blessed. For he gives of his bread to the poor. Another way to say that is he gives to those that are in need. And how many know giving to those that are in need, sometimes all we need, we don't need more money, sometimes we just need an encouragement. Sometimes we just need a friend. Sometimes we just need a shoulder. Come on everybody. This, this, this person that sees generous is the person that's looking uh, for an opportunity. And, and by the way, the world is filled with problems. How many know that? I had a pastor one time tell me, he said, Ken, problems are just opportunities and work clothes. <laughs> Isn't it true? Let's be people that find a need and fill it. Let's be a people that find a hurt and heal it. Uh, there, there, there's lonely people, that, um, and, and you don't have to look far to find a lonely person. I promise you, there's a lonely person in this auditorium today. 
I promise you, before you get to your car, your path will cross somebody that's struggling, that's hurting. You say, how do I identify him? When you start looking to be generous, God will start revealing to you who needs your encouragement. I promise you. Let's look for generous opportunities, church. I'm, I'm right now, as we head into 2024, you'll hear about it as we get into January. I'm looking for the opportunities that frustrate me about Mount Vernon or my opportunities to be generous in Mount Vernon. Mm. I see, a generous eye sees possibilities in every problem. When you sat down today, there was a little card in your chair. How many remember these cards? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And on it, it just says something extra to show you that God loves you. I double-dog dare you before we get to the end of this year to use that card and do something generous for somebody. And when you do something generous, let me give you an idea. You pull up to get your Starbucks because you're addicted, all right? And, and you pull up to get your Starbucks and you look in the rearview mirror. I don't care if they're driving a car better than you. I don't care if they're driving a clunker or an Escalade. I don't care. But maybe this is your opportunity to buy their coffee, come on, and pull out anonymously and leave this card with the barista and say, give them their card and give them their coffee. Right, everybody? We've done these many times before. They're always available at the Resource Center. But when we do, we always get emails to the church. Wow, I was in line today and somebody did this and somebody did that. Thank you for being, and, and, and Christians will email us, you know, and I mean non-Christians will email us and say, wow, what a blanking treat it was today to, you know, and, and so anyway, we know now we're reaching our demographics. How many know what I'm saying, right? All right. Use the card, everybody. Come on. I mean, I know coffee prices have gone up. One medium coffee is like $12 now. But, you know, <laughs> all right, everybody. And then lastly, let me do the last one. Number three is we will stand generously. Now I want to dive into this just a little bit. See, this speaks about how we live. This speaks about what we stand for. See, if you're trying to be generous one time a year, it's going to be a burden to you. But if you start standing for it. See, we never wanted to be a church that was trying to get anything from anybody. But watch this. Let me talk to the Christians in the room for just a minute. If you're not a follower of Jesus, just ignore me for a minute. But let me talk to the saints in the room for just a minute. Because we've never wanted to be a church that's trying to get anything. But we've wanted to be a church that's trying to give something. But here's the paradox. You are the church. We all amen when we hear, oh, that church is trying to give. <laughs> I'm not the church. We are the church. Come on, everybody. Now, think about what you're amening from now on, right? And so we can't give to those in need if we're not generous. We can't give to the one that's discouraged or depressed or lonely if we're not generous and standing for generosity. And I'm not just talking about down and outers. I'm talking about with our words, with our deeds, with our treasures, with our time, with our finance, with all of those things. And just that we would be generous. And again, let me just hit this real quick. When it says they stand for generosity, that means it's not a one-time event. See, here's what I've learned. If generosity is a one-time thing for you, you'll be angry and burdened by it. Uh, let me give you an example, because I know, I know. I've been doing this a little while, so let me tell you what I know, all right? Here it is. You will be mad when Legacy Sunday shows up. Oh, man, I can't wait till he's done talking about that Legacy Sunday. Every week, say, Legacy Sunday, Legacy Sunday. I'm not even going to come to church in November. I just want Legacy Sunday to be all over with. 
See, I want Christmas to be all over with. I want the, whatever it is because you're trying to be generous one time and it's a burden. But if you stand for generosity, you're not looking for the opportunities to be generous to get done with. You're looking for the opportunities of generosity to hurry up and come again so you can be generous again. Come on, everybody. All righty, all right. If you're not generous, you're just mad at me now. All right. If you stand for generosity... The generosity and the attitude of generosity will be more of a blessing to you than you. Isn't it true? Yes. Come on. I, I know. I see some of you that are going to work today to serve the food and help the, help the feed the multitudes. I promise you when it's all done, I'll be one of the last ones in this building today. They'll come out of there. Oh, man, you'll never believe when we and they, they'll, they'll be just on a cloud nine talking about what they got to do. When we do serve days around here and we call the whole church together, I mean, the buzz is about, man, you'll never believe it. I got to paint over a graffiti. And the world is like, oh, are you a nutcase? What in, in the world? Because you get your fulfillment from being generous, everybody. God made us that way. And that's why the Bible says in Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. How many know I'm right about that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me have you think about this. And I'm going to give you a closing verse and I'm all done. Um, when you think about loving, think about the cross. Now watch this. Think about loving up, side to side, and down. It's our motto of a church. We love up. You ought to love those that are in authority over you. You ought to love your parents. You ought to love your, well, you ought to love your pastors, as a matter of fact. But you, 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 you ought to love your life group leader. You ought to love your mentors. You ought to love your coaches. You ought to love, you ought to love those that are maybe a step or two ahead of where they're just a little bit above where you're trying to go. And I know that's like foreign language in our culture today. Oh, we're all equal. Nobody's above anybody. Well, I need some people above me because I'm trying to get better than where I am right now. So I'm going to love up. This year, uh, all my overseers, all my pastors, and every guest that I've had preach here this year, they'll get a gift from me. They'll get a little card. I'll sit down and write them a little card. Thank you very much. You'll never know what it meant to me to have you. And I'll, and I'll repeat some of their preaching back to them because I'm going to love up. But, but then I'm going to love side to side. And, and I love getting to do life with you. The reason I'll be one of the last people in the building today is because I love side to side. I can't wait to rub elbows with you. I can't wait to get in there and high five and see your victories and celebrate with you. Loving the people that we're doing life with. But that's not all of it. We also have to love down. We have to love those and look for those that are less than where we are right now. That's why God will keep blessing you if you use your blessing to be a blessing to other people. Come on, everybody. Right? All right. I can tell you're worn out. Let me give you one more verse. Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 24. I have it. This isn't the laptop, but on my laptop, I have that verse written on my laptop. Proverbs 11:24. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Boy, I could preach this for the church givers a hundred times, a hundred Sundays. I've watched it happen in our lives. It's just when we give, God says, okay, that's a good investment. I'm going to give back. Verse 25, I love this verse, and this is the verse. A generous person will prosper. That, that's it. Now, either you got to leave here today with either I believe the Bible or I don't, but a generous person will prosper. 
Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. AJ, you and Lisa probably get tired sometimes serving on the dream team, I, I bet, right? <laughs> but I bet you, you also get refreshed while you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't ask you permission to say that. But anyway, right? <laughs> um, it's ironic today that probably six years ago, almost six years ago, when the church was smaller, I stood up and I said, hey, I want everybody to bring me a dollar bill. How many were here back in those days? Let me see. I said, everybody bring me a dollar bill. <laughs> It didn't look like it was going to make much of a difference. There's like 13 hands that went up. And, and a whole bunch of people came up and gave me $1 bills. And I said, we don't make change. If you don't have a one, just give me what you got. And so we were getting fives and tens and twenties also. And I, I had a stack of money. How many remember that? I had a stack of money about that big. I said, now this is the spirit of generosity. And I stepped off the platform. And I walked over to my left, right about right over there. I didn't know this person at the time. As a matter of fact, it was their second Sunday here. And it was Valerie who's now the pastor of our outreach, who now is the person putting on the banquet. And I said, now the rules of the game are we're just going to give you this and be generous. And, and, and the rules of the game are you can't say, oh, I don't deserve it because none of us do. You just have to take it. Well, what I didn't know is she took her blessing. It was like over $300. And she took her blessing, and that girl went out and bought blessing bags to go and give to the homeless. And now she's the pastor of our outreach, blessing hundreds of people in this valley. Because when God blesses you, he'll bless you to be a blessing. Come on and say amen to them. I got to close. I got to close. Amen. Would you stand with me all over this place?